Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Hey, loves, welcome to episode 19. When the fuck boy returns. Such a good title, right? If I say so myself. I love how each week I am just constantly inspired, whether it's a client's experience, a friend's experience, or my own personal experience. I have to laugh because my business coach, Stacey Bayman, back in November when I was on this amazing retreat in Cabo. It was the first time I was exploring the possibility of launching a podcast on heartbreak. And my immediate thought was, "Mm, I just don't think I'll have enough to talk about. I mean, heartbreak, like what else do you say beyond heartbreak? Maybe I'd come up with like 10 episodes. I don't know. And she said, sit down and see what you come up with. I came up with 30 plus episode topics. And the truth of the matter is, I don't know where that, where that list is because each week I'm always inspired by someone's story or my own story because life just happens. And there's a concept called confirmation bias. And so when you're totally focused and in belief of anything, your brain is going to look for evidence to confirm that. So I live in Los Angeles. I hear a lot of single women say, LA guys suck. So their experience is going to be that they keep meeting dudes who suck because they believe that. I believe heartbreak is a universal lesson. It is a universal experience. I know it's not fun, but I also think it's like one of the most incredible lessons that you can move through in your life or multiple times because there are so many ways we can get our hearts broken. And if we lean into the lesson and grow and really ask ourselves, what can we learn from this? And want to grow from it, that you can just become the best version of yourself when you step out of your victim story, out of your victim thoughts, out of your victim beliefs, and start owning that you are the warrior woman in your life. Or man, I know there are some men out there listening. So I appreciate you and love that you are tuning in as well, because As I like to remind my audience, heartbreak is a universal lesson for all races, all genders, all sexual orientations. I simply call this show How to Stop Wanting Him Back because of my own experience as a heterosexual woman who has gone through several painful heartbreaks. One in particular, you can go to episode five, my heartbreak story. That is my rock bottom of my life thus far. And that was eight years ago. And it really uh, rocked me to my core and was the opportunity to invite me to really explore and step up and lean into the pain and understand my role in that relationship. Despite him being an emotional abuser, I still stood there and took it and asked for it many times because my self-esteem was so low. So that is why I do what I do. That is why I love doing this podcast. I get messages every week from people who are listening. And I am just so grateful to all of you who are picking up what I am throwing down and that you are getting some something from it. Oftentimes I get questions, but how do I move through this? If you are really paying attention and listening to the podcast, break out a pen and paper. I share Brooke Castillo's thought model. I will put a link to her work in the show notes. You can take pen to paper 
paper, you can apply these thought tools into your life. Do I think the best way to move through it is to work with a coach? Absolutely. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I work with three coaches, a nutrition coach, a business coach, a personal coach. Yes, I know that's excessive, but I'm a coach and I love to walk the walk and be the transformation for my clients, for all of you. So I would definitely explore what it would look like to work with a coach. And before your thoughts say, I can't, that's too expensive. Those are thoughts. Every result you have in your life, including your bank account is a result of your thinking. Trust me, you guys, I am 38 years old. I've been through so much struggle in my life. And I know here today, it is mind made struggle. I was not a victim to my money situation. I was not a victim to my health. I was not a victim in my intimate relationships. I was not a victim in all the friendships that fizzled and had a lot of drama. I was the common denominator. And I don't say that to shame myself. I don't say that to shame any of you who right now are struggling in any of those areas or another area in your life. Maybe you're having family issues, whatever it is. But the only way you get to change and feel better and grow from the situation is if you shift your mind. And the truth of the matter is, There's only so much you can do with this thought work on your own. Yes, I self-coach every single day, and I really do have a strong ability to shift out of a lot of negative thoughts. However, there are some that are always just going to be so pressing, so overwhelming, so challenging, and that's where my coach comes in. Or she points out a limiting belief that I'm carrying that I don't even realize because we all have blind spots. To any of my actor friends out there who are listening right now, when you're auditioning, you know that you need to run your audition with someone else because they are going to see blind spots in the script that you are not seeing. And it might be a big, duh, how did I not realize that? Or I didn't realize what was happening uh, in the stage directions or whatever it is, but we go all in and we're just thinking about us and our work and our interpretation of the script. But it's so important to have another set of eyes in any area of growth, or if you're working with a personal trainer, right? So important. If you want to increase your strength and get new results with your body, a trainer is going to watch you and give you new challenging exercises and make sure that you are not hurting yourself and checking your form that you can't see. Same with yoga. I'm a yoga teacher. I love when yoga teachers give me an adjustment in class because there are always things that I can't see, even if I'm looking in the mirror. It's so important to have an elevated set of eyes and ears focusing on you, who you trust, who you love, who you want to make your investment in. My coaches totally trigger the fuck out of me, but I choose them. I I sign up with them for six months at a time. All of them have six month agreements, all three of them. And even when they're telling me to do things I don't want to do or showing me my mind in ways that are so triggering to me, I don't even take offense. I'm like, yes, this is why I hired you. You're showing me how I'm getting in my own way. And that investment to me is priceless. I have just moved into my own new beautiful apartment at 38 years old. I have been living with a roommate for the last five and a half years because I have been making so many investments in myself, in my mind, because without my managed mind, I have nothing. And I believed with my mind that I was going to get here. I believed that coaching mattered to me. I hear all the time, oh, I'd love to coach. It's just that I'm saving for a house. Well, have 
fun in your house when you're still heartbroken and redoing the same patterns over and over and over again with Mr. Wrong because you haven't changed your mind. You just think the money is outside of you. The house is outside of you. You need to have these external things because you've hit a certain point in your life. And I'm not here to say you should get a, you should get coaching over your house. That is your own decision here, my loves. I'm just saying I hear so often, oh, it's too expensive. And I think, think of all the times when you have thought a destination wedding that your best friend is getting married in is too expensive, but you figure it out. Being a bridesmaid is too expensive. The dress, the engagement party, the present, throwing the shower, the bachelorette, the wedding present, staying overnight at the destination wedding, all the things. And you figure it out. I hear so many times, oh my God, I spent like $5,000 on my best friend's wedding. It was insane. But you found the $5,000. And what's the thought? Well, I can't miss that. What about if you can't not coach? And I'm not even saying this to that you have to work with me. I do think I'm the best heartbreak coach out there, if I say so myself. But I just think finding the right coach for you, but saying I can't afford it. But if you can afford the things that you feel forced to pay for, open up your mind, shift your thoughts about the money. Because when you elevate your mind, you can create more money with your elevated mind. You are not limited to your external circumstances. This was a huge digression away from when the fuck boy returns. But I do think that this is such an important point to take because I love that you are all listening and picking up what I'm throwing down, but I still get questions that I know are answered in my episodes. And that is what it is here for. Use the tools that I am offering you, right? Because I think it's so easy to listen and soak it up. And I did this for so many years, so I'm not shaming any of you. I still want to hear from you. And if I can answer in a short amount of time, I will do my best to answer, or I will use your questions and apply it in another podcast episode. So keep the messages coming. But my point here is that I used to absorb all of this information, all these self-help books, all these podcasts, all these free videos. I would go to hear authors speak, spiritual teachers speak, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 that's so good. And I'd still wake up feeling fucking miserable the next morning, right? Because you're not actually implementing the work big difference between sitting and listening and implementing passive action of absorbing the information versus implementing massive action and applying what you are doing. Your thoughts create your feelings, which drive an action, which yields a result. So if you want a different result, you've got to choose different thoughts that will make you feel differently and that will inspire different actions to create the new result. Go apply the work, my loves, self-coach and go find the best coach for you. If you are interested in working with me, message me. There are details at the end of this episode. Back to when the fuckboy returns. Okay, so before I go into my experience of a fuckboy returning in the last couple of weeks, I would love to give the oh-so-respectable and reputable Urban Dictionary definition of a fuckboy. Asshole boy who is into strictly sexual relationships. He will lead a girl on and let her down, then apologize only to ask for pics once the girl has become, has welcomed him back into her trust. Boys like this will pretend to genuinely care about the girl, but always fail to prove the supposed affection. He almost never makes plans because he has to hang out on his terms, which could be the most whimsical of times. He will always come crawling back because he is a horny prick. <laughs> Gotta love her. 
Urban Dictionary and cannot withstand the dispossession of one of his bays before anyone else because he has more than one. That's for sure. Texting such a boy will consist of the girl carrying the conversation and the guy responding with short answers 10 or more minutes after the girl's response. But when she asks why he's taking so long to answer... P.S. Girls, don't ask a guy why it's taking him so long to answer. I'm going to do a whole other episode episode on the mind drama that is created over the amount of time it should take for your object of your affection to respond. And he will say it's because he is busy, but he promises he likes her. Boys like this are egotistical assholes who cannot be trusted and are hard to get rid of because they say all the right things to get the girl back. Is this ringing a bell for any of you out there? Just me? No? I love this definition. And to be fair, we're going to call this fuckboy who resurfaced in my life, John. He actually totally is not an asshole the way Urban Dictionary is. So uh, the way Urban Dictionary is describing, but definitely someone who was over the top about his feelings for me, over the top with his attention. And when I noticed there was a little bit of a shift, I said, hey, what's up? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And he just started, you know, backpedaling. And I said, look, dude, you know, no harm, no foul here that we've been dating for like six weeks, but I cannot tell you how much he was driving the bus. And when he pulled back a little bit, I was like, what's going on? I was not saying what's taking you so long to respond, even though I knew that that was part of (laughs) part of what I was sensing was that he just really started to pull back. I mean, texting me nonstop, hilarious jokes. We had great chemistry, sharing text exchanges with his family to me, all the things, introducing me to his close friends, um, very interested in what I was doing, very supportive of that. We had a lot in common. And he just said, yeah, no, like, I just, uh, I don't know about this. And I just said, dude, no harm, no foul. I guess my only gripe here is that you just totally flipped the switch because, you know, four days ago, five days ago, you were so intense in your attention for me. And then you just completely disappeared. I ask if you're okay. And now you're just like, yeah, I don't know. With no explanation, there was no drama, nothing happened. And I think that's a little fucked up, just so you know. And to his credit, he was like, you are totally right. And I am really sorry. And he actually wanted to continue a friendship. And I said, no, thank you, because I was pretty butthurt over that situation. We ultimately reconnected a few months later and had some fun. Um, And then we just kind of fizzled out. My whole rule was for, for myself in that situation, because I've been so invested on my business and Ladies, the way I feel about it is I'm 38 years old. I have needs. My dating life is not my main focus, but I would rather have some fun with someone who I have dated than start up with someone new and kind of just like know what I'm getting out of it without any expectations instead of potentially developing feelings for someone else. I should do a whole podcast episode on that. People have a lot of strong feelings. If you haven't read my Poosh article on Friends with Benefits, I highly recommend you read it. It definitely ruffled some facts others again. A lot of people think of friends with benefits as an opportunity to really disrespect yourself or set yourself up for pain. I totally agree with that. I think you just have to be super intentional and not let it get too gray. So I'll put that link in the show notes as well. 
So I had to laugh when I heard from John the Fuckboy because I have really been having a lot of growth and transformation and excitement in my life. Two weeks ago when I heard from him, I had my parents coming into town, which was just so amazing to have them here. I die for my parents. And I very quickly signed a lease to a new beautiful apartment in Beverly Hills. Excuse yourself. I mean, I'm a little upset. My zip code is 90211, not 90210. So I really wanted to play out my childhood dream, but I'm pretty damn close. And I signed three clients that same week. So it was just like business, home life, family life. So good. And sure enough, a fuckboy resurfaces, right? And it reminded me of five and a half years ago when I moved to LA, uh, everything came into alignment. I initially came out here to continue acting and to get the fuck away from my rock bottom situation. And I just wanted a fresh start. And the universe really offered that up to me. I had a big commercial running, actually two commercials. So I didn't need to hustle to get a job. My best friend welcomed me into her home, barely paying any rent. I had a friend who had a car for me because she was back in New York for a few months. I had a great agent and manager right off the bat. I finally found the best therapist for myself. I had been searching in New York and to no avail, found someone that really got me, Ashley Graber. I talk about her in every episode. I'll be sure to leave a link to her uh, website if you are in LA and feel that therapy is the best healing modality for you. She is amazing, a mindfulness psychotherapist. I could not highly recommend her more. And so everything was falling into place. I show up to Leslie Kahn, this incredible acting teacher in LA. She's tough as nails. I compare her to Simon Cowell. She tells you everything you don't want to hear, but you need to hear as an actor. I also think she's hysterical and she really does have a huge heart. And I met with her one-on-one. I read a scene for her. She looks over my resume and she says, I don't get it. She says, you have a great look. You're very marketable. You've got really good credits here, but why do you not have more? And I said, look, Leslie, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've had my head up my ass. I was in a pretty fucked up relationship. I'm finally getting the right help. I explained to her all the things that are falling into place for me. I am here to work. I am here to grow. I am here to just dive all in and not derail my life again over a dude. And she said, okay, okay. So you know what's going to happen, right? You've got all these things in place for you. So do you know what's going to happen? And I looked at her and I said, uh, no. And she said, Prince Charming is going to show up. And I said, oh, (laughs) and I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, cool. (laughs) But I could see by the look on her face that she did not think it was cool. And she said, so you know what you're going to have to do, right? And I was like, um, and she said, she slammed her hand on her desk and she screamed at the top of her lungs. You're going to run the fuck away. And that is why I love Leslie Kahn and I will never forget her in my life. It was so great. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And I would be lying if I said five and a half years later, I haven't gotten involved with a fuckboy or two who has triggered the fuck out of me. And notice that I just let that roll off my tongue. The only way these men can trigger me is if I allow them to trigger me, is if my automatic thoughts allow me to feel triggered, right? And then my action is to allow him to consume my brain. And my result is, oh, not thriving in acting, not living my life to the fullest, not loving me in the way that I am wanting someone else to love me, right? 
And so it was really awesome because here's this fuck boy resurfacing, not a bad guy. He's actually hysterical. And he sent me something really funny out of the blue that pertained to a joke that we had when we were dating. And I took my time with it. And I was like, ah, fuck it. You know what? My dating life is my is my top priority. I'm sorry. Woo! That just... Freudian slip, guys. I just said my dating life is my top priority. Truly, my business has been my top priority. And if an old fuckboy resurfaces who's harmless and a good dude, he's just, you know, not my guy. But if I want to have some fun, like, huh, I'm open to it. And so he proceeds to just send these funny jokes. Over a period of about a week, I'd say he reached out like four or five times. And I just, when I felt like it, responded with my own joke. And it was fun, tongue in cheek. I really wasn't giving it much thought. Again, thinking about my move, my parents, all the the new clients. I'm now almost at 20 clients. I had so much on my mind. And I'm on this new nutrition journey with this amazing coach, Jenny Blake. I'll put her information in the notes. My body is already transforming after a month. It's been amazing, but it's a lot to remember and think about. And so, yeah, he was just sort of like, oh, an afterthought. But I realized, you know what? He didn't once say, how are you? It's just joke after joke after joke. And we had just fizzled out. There wasn't any bad blood after the second time around. It it was what it was, but we did have a plan to hang out. And my rule with myself was if he wants to reach out to me, if he wants to confirm the plans, he can, and he never did. And so I didn't give it much thought. This was now going back I think to January. And so I just let it go and moved on and lived my life. And so here he is resurfacing and funny jokes, ha ha. And I'm open to a little bit of fun because that's about all I have right now. The bandwidth is about all I have to just have a little bit of fun. Unless if someone totally amazing who I feel in my bones is my person appears. Uh, So I kind of started thinking, eh, it kind of turns me off that he isn't just saying, Hey, how are you? I know he has the capacity to do it. Even when we weren't really seeing each other anymore, he cared about me. He asked about my family. He asked about my business. At one point I was really sick. He he wanted to like come over and take care of me, which I did not let him do boundaries people, but he's a good dude, even though he didn't want to give me what I want. Right. So then I just sort of thought, Meh, unless he says, how are you? It's pretty much a bare bones basic. I don't even want to have my fun with him. Cut to a week ago, I wake up on Saturday morning and he had written me at 1130. No, I don't think it was a booty call. He knows me well enough. I'm a grandma and I go to bed at like 9 or 10, 8, 10 p.m. Uh, and it just said, what's your sign? And I looked at it and I was just like, no, thanks. First of all, I know he doesn't believe in any of the self-help shit. And I for sure know he thinks that astrology is bullshit. So I'm sure it was like, I'm an Aquarius and whatever the fuck sign he is, then it would be like this funny thing about whatever our, our match is. And I just was like, no, I just don't care for that. And I just was like, I'm going to ignore because this isn't going anywhere. And this is actually a a distraction that I don't need when so much amazingness is happening. And even if my dating life isn't my first priority right now, in the little bit of space that I am carving out for it, I don't want it to be filled with a dude who's just like, funny picture, what's your sign? And doesn't even have the capacity to say, 
hey, how are you? What's going on? Would you like to get a drink? I mean, you guys, it's so basic. So what is the lesson for all of you? You get to decide. Maybe some of you would be like, oh, I just want to get laid and I don't even care that he didn't ask how I am. I think that that's great. Then you just have to get really intentional and be direct. What is the result that you want? If you want to get laid, say, hey, do you want to get a drink sometime, right? But it was just this dragged out, really nothing was happening. It was actually the same joke that he kept sending over and over again. So like the first two, three times were funny, but by the fourth or the fifth, I was like, okay, I get it. Like the joke is old and you still haven't asked me how I am. And am I totally owning that I had an expectation here of, I want him to ask me how I ask me how I am 100%. And I love that about me. I love that even if I'm open to friends with benefits, that I still have a bottom line of, a level of respect that I expect and a level of respect that I am going to give. I have an ex and we definitely on and off over the years have uh, rekindled every now and then if he's in my city or I'm in his city. And no matter what, we always are just like, not even we, he is a gentleman. And the next day is just like, I had so much fun with you. So good to see you and continues to ask me how I am. It's just a nice, respectful thing that I appreciate and that I would like to give to someone else, even if it is just like a physical connection. And that is just what my standard is. But if you just don't give two fucks and you just want to hang out and you don't need that person to actually show a little bit of interest and respect in just you as a human, that's also totally okay. However, if this person is someone who has triggered you and really has upset you in the past, who you've lost sleep over, and you feel all the triggered feelings when you hear back from him and you go into all this mind drama, I'm going to use Leslie Kahn's line, run the fuck away, especially if all this amazingness is happening in your life. I totally believe that when you start to commit, I have a client right now who's on a 30-day cleanse from dude so that she can start to learn what it means to be alone and feel fulfilled and to love herself while being alone and to be able to lean into the discomfort of the lonely feelings and to love herself through that instead of needing a dude to scratch the itch. And I told her the same thing. I'm like, so you know every dude who has triggered you in the past or who you feel you have unfinished business with is going to resurface, right? And so she was saying this and I was saying this too, is that then you want to almost take care of their feelings, right? Oh, I don't want to be rude. I don't want him to think I'm bitter. I don't want him to think I care. So I'm just going to respond. You're taking care of what he thinks of you for you to feel better instead of putting you first. I didn't owe John an explanation or a response to an 11.30 p.m. text of, what's your sign? I just didn't care. I didn't feel like it. And maybe it's just the headspace I'm in. Maybe if in a month he reaches out and he wants to know my Enneagram number. (laughs) If you don't know the Enneagram, you have to learn about it. It's this amazing spiritual personality system. uh, And when they blend, you know, your number with someone else's number, it's pretty accurate. But I'm dying laughing because there's no way he even knows what the fuck the Enneagram is. right? Maybe I'll be in a, in a mood where I'm like, Hey, I'm a six. I'm the loyalist slash skeptic. Take it and run with it. I just wasn't in the mood and I didn't owe him. And I found myself, he popped in my head when I was hanging out with my best friend this week. And I was like, 
I love that I didn't respond to John. It just feels so empowering. I love that I didn't need, because he's not a bad guy, but just because he's not a bad guy doesn't mean I have to play his game when he fucking feels like showing up and doesn't even have the bandwidth to say, how are you, right? And that's just me and my thoughts and my intentions and not letting any dude, even if Mr. Wright comes along, I think I've talked about this in a couple of episodes ago. I can't remember which one, but I I definitely talk about even when my person comes that I will be, I'm just, I'm a different person now. I think I was always putting the man first and his schedule first and his needs first. And now I'm just in a place of, I, I don't think I can see you on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. I'm I'm now waking up at 5.30, 6am to take care of my morning intentions. And I'm coaching five to six people a day. And I really need to rest myself. Self-care comes first. And then I can sprinkle you in, in, in uh, on top of my business. And and that feels so exciting. Like I am so clear and so focused and so intentional on me and my baby. And he will come in to that as an amazing addition versus, oh, now I'm just going to abandon all of this work and all that I've created and put him first instead. And so for sure, I'm not going to let a fuck boy distract me. So it all comes back to intention, my loves. Do you want to get laid? Do you not give a shit if he asks how you are? Then go do it and have fun and release all expectations. But if you're like me and you're like, I don't mind getting laid every once in a while and getting my needs met, but I still require someone to actually give a shit about me as a human on such a basic level? Or is this person someone who you just know if you connect with them again or see them again or smell them again or kiss them again or or touch them again, that you will feel weak in the knees and just feel like putty and it will completely derail you from all of the amazingness that you've been focusing on creating. Don't do it. Focus on you. He, that guy is not the answer to your happiness. He is not the answer to scratching your loneliness itch if it's going to completely derail you from all the amazingness that is happening in your life. So those are some options for you. When a fuckboy returns, I would love to hear some stories of how you felt accomplished, whether you ignored, whether you said, hey, polite no here, whether you got your rocks off and felt awesome for it, got your needs met, and you were like, thanks, bye. (laughs) No judgment here. No need to shame yourself. No need to blame him. Or maybe you just had a nice little ego stroke being like, yep, you're still on my mind. Actually, this guy, John, he said, um, he had sent me a picture of someone else who I had met through him. And he kept saying, Oh, this guy misses you. He kept saying it a couple of times. And my best friends were like, I don't think it's the friend that's missing you. I think it's John that's missing you. I don't know about that, but it was, I mean, it's like when you pop into someone's mind and when you hear from them, there's always a little ego gratification, even if they're not knocking at your door saying, I made a mistake. I know you're my person. So much love, you guys. Thanks for listening. I love all the messages coming in. But again, do the work. Take what I am teaching you here and apply it into your life. Get an accountability partner. Do you have a friend who's also listening to this podcast? Can you guys start to learn how to coach 
each other? Or are you ready to take a huge transformational step in your life to shift your mind? And when you do that in every area of your life, healing your heart, healing your relationship, not just with him, but with yourself, healing your relationship with your body, healing your relationship with money, healing your relationship with your career, your family, all those things can be healed with your thoughts. You are not at the effect of everything happening outside of you. Everything is happening outside of you at the effect of what you are thinking internally in that precious little head of yours. It is changeable, you guys. I was hopeless for so many years. I thought I was just going to be a victim for life and everything was unfair. I thought for two to three years after that relationship, my rock bottom relationship, I literally thought, oh my gosh, could I just turn into a lesbian or become a nun? Because I really think that if I was gay, I would have the most amazing partner because (laughs) I would find that really effective, communicative woman. And we would have a blast together, but I'm straight as an arrow and, or become a nun and never open up my heart in an intimate, romantic way. It was like, if I could be those things, maybe that would just be better. I was committed to never allowing myself to open my heart. And, uh, now not opening my heart is not an option. And that doesn't have to be, it it doesn't have to not be an option for you. You get to open your heart again. You get to trust yourself again. You get to heal your past story. You get to thrive in your life again through this work. So message me if you are interested. Follow me at Claire, the heartbreak coach on Instagram. So much love until next time, my loves. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.